Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Well, 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 good afternoon, good evening, good morning, good whomever, good whatever, etc., etc. I'm Alan Averill, this is episode 127, yes, who could believe that, of Agitators Anonymous. How is your Friday going? Do you have that Friday feeling? Well, this podcast might alter that, might change that, might make that feeling seem a little bit dark and desperate, but sometimes we have to have a serious podcast. Um, if Tuesdays was the um, ridiculous rewatching of some kind of monster, then this one is going to be a bit serious. Um, so if that's not your bag, then you may skip you may reach for the um, pause, the stop button, or whatever you want to call it. Um, but I think you probably should hang in there for this one. I'm going to discuss what's happening in Iran right now. Um, read out some messages I've been getting from people within Iran. Discuss some of the videos people have been more or less risking their lives to send me. Um, if they're stopped and their phones are searched, etc. And also why this resonates uh, quite deeply with me what's happening in Iran, and refer to an article I wrote about the more or less the same situation six or seven years ago already, perhaps even more, and the same videos and messages that prompted my response back then, um, and I think to tackle some uncomfortable truths and difficult things to consider. Um, you know, and we have to do this from time to time. There ain't another heavy metal podcast tackling things like this. Um, you may call it noble. You may call that also foolhardy. This is up to you to decide. You may agree or disagree. This is fine. But remember, but remember the principle of Agitators Anonymous is the support of free speech. And we have to tackle these things sometimes head on and resist the urge to support cancel culture on any level. And that is exactly what the Iranian regime have done in shutting down the internet. Um, it is, of course, the most extreme form of cancel culture. And yes, cancel culture exists. Ask Salman Rushdie about that one if you need to be informed. And if you think it doesn't exist and don't know who he is, mm, maybe 
stay quiet for today. Um, but it fits exactly into what we are, or what I'm going to discuss today. Um, as an aside, uh, this morning I was listening to a podcast I really enjoy. It's a sort of comedy podcast, a bit about football. And the two um, guys doing it, I suppose one could say, are like old, um, late 40s, 1980s, anti-Thatcherite style old school leftists, which I've often said I, you know, um, resonate many of the same ideas with. But the pair of them, well, in particular, one guy was like, what you need free speech for? What you need free speech for, speech for anyway? Is it really just to say racist things? Is that's why most people support free speech? And I just thought, well, I'm about to record my podcast. Um, and that is one of the principles of this podcast. And that is free speech. And I thought to myself, how deluded these, um, you know, these suburbanites are, these middle-aged men living their comfortable lives um, uh, for not seeing that the principle of free speech obviously extends beyond the limits of their back garden. And if they may, um, you know, take a little look around the world, whether it's China, whether it's Canada, it's, uh, it's everywhere, really. The principles of free speech is what our society, our civilization is built upon. And today we're going to talk about Iran. And there is no better example of why free speech matters. And if you're one of those people that think the idea of free speech is a sort of grubby, it's a grubby, dirty concept now that surely is something that people, um, Nazis or people on the right, just hide behind. I think then you've swallowed a hell of a lot of propaganda and you really need to think about what free speech means because like I said, there's been people sending me messages for the last week. I've been talking to my friends in Iran um, and I'm going to explain why I have a sort of resonance with, uh, or, you know, um, with what's happening there. But they're risking um, a hell of a lot to send me those things. Um, and so I hope to not butcher this podcast, but I'm going to try and maybe be a voice for some people who don't really have a voice, and maybe you know, maybe you don't know what's happening in Iran. And um, certainly, there's been something of a media blackout in some quarters. I don't see the mainstream media picking up at all, picking it up at all, really, you know. But anyway, let's keep on going and see where we get to with this conversation. There are going to be some things that you um, maybe make you feel uncomfortable that you don't want to hear. Um, but please remember that the principle of this particular podcast is about. Um, Iran. It's about the tragic death of a young girl. It's about women's rights. And it's about the principle of free speech. And it's about resisting authoritarianism. Those are the three principles of this particular podcast. There is no, do not ascribe an ulterior motive to um, whatever you think my politics are. And um, because then again, you've swallowed the propaganda that we can't and are unwilling to tackle these things head on and talk about uncomfortable truths. Um, so those are the three principles. Um, and if you misunderstand that, yeah, this is your prerogative. Then I think you're reading, um, as I said, something into it, which is not my intention. My intention is to try and shine a light on something that's happening with the small um, platform that I have to try and use it for some sort of something positive. So some people ask me why I choose one thing to discuss over another. Well, it's my podcast. Um, and this is my voice and, you know, you have the freedom to choose one thing or the other. Why do you care about this more than that? Um, the whataboutery of modern society. Why do you care about this one and not about this one? And the truth is, if we are to be consumed by every fucked up thing in this world, we would not find the time to do anything else with our lives. And we would be plummeted to the bottom of the uh, deep, the deepest uh, darkest ocean of constant depression, I think. Um, despite which, 
Um, silence is not violence. On some things, one is perfectly entitled to say nothing, to observe and keep your counsel. No one is entitled to know or demand an opinion on everything that you think, um, which is you know, con- runs contrary to an awful lot of the modern narcissistic impulses of modern social media. However, I should explain my particular stance on this one. Um, what's happened in Iran has some personal resonance and is something I feel genuinely passionate about. And people there have no voice. And so mm, plenty of those, um, plenty of people have been reaching out to me to try and be that voice, which is what we're doing here right now. The state has shut down the internet. So the reports we're getting from the country are um, from brave women and men putting themselves at risk. So let's hope I said, as I said, I do it some kind of justice and don't fuck this up too badly. Well, so let's get into it. Let's get into what's happening in Iran. Um, just over a week ago, the Islamic religious police beat to death a young girl called Masha Amini. Um, I don't or haven't seen that many people um, proclaiming say her name, but, you know, as you see fit. And they beat her to death for refusing to comply to religious rules. I head scarred headscarf hijab law and conform to their religious modesty standards. Um, And reports now say that upwards of 70 people have died in the violent protests. People have come out onto the streets uh, to protest the regime. Um, Men and women have taken to the streets to protest genuine authoritarianism, to protest what is a genuine uh, and terrifying system of violent patriarchy. Um, And haven't sections of our media been quiet about it? I certainly haven't seen much about it here. Haven't certain sections of the, let's say, those you would expect it to be outraged also been rather quiet? And I'm going to try and tackle why I think that is as well. Um, I don't see people blacking out their pages in solidarity. Some are, uh, but many aren't. In fact, I've hardly seen it at all. I've hardly seen anybody posting it, at least among the um, the people that I follow on uh, social media or on Instagram or whatever, um, compared to the... Um, the outpouring of political opinion over the last couple of years um, I saw on many people's pages. I don't see much happening. I don't see the same outpouring of anger and emotion of what should theoretically encompass almost all angles of the modern culture war, right? Uh, Gender, feminism, patriarchy, violence against women, the Me Too movement, all these kind of things. Um, But certainly, of course, there is the practical um, idea that, um, well, the practicalities, that less info is getting out there to us and Um, The West is no doubt focused on the Ukraine, Putin, uh, nuclear axis and the emergency, um, you know, the energy crisis. So regardless of what is happening in Iran, imminent nuclear danger claims top spot on the news rota. But there is, in my opinion, something else. Um, I think there is something else happening. Um, But there are two rather obvious points I should make. Um, And one is that criticizing... What I'm talking here is really about authoritarianism. But criticizing Islam um, doesn't make you racist because Islam is a religion and not a race. Um, I think that should be self-evident as an argument. Um, You're reminded of the maybe the famous footage of Sam Harris, who I'm going to refer to in this podcast more than once. But the famous footage of him and Ben Affleck on American TV and, you know, Sam makes his usual reasonable, rational uh, statements on the issue. And then Ben Affleck looking for looking to score sort of emo points with the um, lowest common denominator crowd, you know, to pick the low hanging fruit of misunderstanding the situation on purpose and declares him a racist, etc, etc. And Sam tries to um, politely explain to him what I just said, which is that 
um, there's a difference between religion and race, of course. So by criticizing elements of Islam, you're not criticizing all Muslims. Of course not. It's the same with any religion, um, whether you want to criticize the Catholic Church or the instruments of power and institutions of um, governance that, you know, visited terrible evils upon Irish society throughout the last 100, 150 years. Does not mean you, of course, criticize all Catholics. It would seem to me to be, um, you know, a deliberate um, misunderstanding of the situation. But although this seems self-evident for um, for most of us, um, you know, uh, engaging our critical thinking, you would be surprised or maybe maybe sadly not surprised at how many people simply feel they cannot discuss any of these things and that we should not touch it. And maybe, maybe like I said, what is noble or foolhardy about the exercise of this podcast? Um, of course, there are genuine racists who criticize Islam, but that's not the same thing as what I'm talking about. Secondly, a phobia is an irrational fear, right? Um, that's what a phobia is, an irrational fear. And do, is, the, is the, you know, the history of the West and um, the East um, and the fractious nature of that relationship, would one say that um, fears are um, grounded in rationality or irrationality? Um, on both sides. The word is just a kind of misnomer that doesn't really make sense. Like I said, if you lived in Nice and witnessed a truck attack um, which killed 81 people um, a few years ago, or 9-11, or the Bataclan, or things from the other side as well, is it correct to say your fears of religious fanaticism um, are irrational? I don't think they are. So, you know, it's very complicated ground that we're treading on, but we have to be brave sometimes, I think, um, and try and address some of these things. So one of the things I'm going to do is is to um, basically quote Sam Harris. Now, you know, I'm not going to go into whether I, um, you know, like everything that Sam Harris says. If you don't know who Sam Harris is, do a bit of a deep diving. But he's been a constant critic of um, religion for decades now. And he's one of the original four horsemen of the new atheist movement of, alongside Richard Dawkins, uh, etc., but um, Sam has an interesting quote here, which is, um, it is amazing how sanguine Western feminists have been around the practice of wearing a hijab, as if this is just another culture's ideal of how to honor feminine beauty and empower women. So who are we to criticize it? For some reason, people can't see that most of the women on earth right now who are wearing a hijab are not doing it based on some empowerment they felt at an Ivy League institution to take their male gaze off them at their own discretion. Um, I'm going to repeat that because I think I butchered that. For some people, for some reason, people can't see that most of the women on earth now who are wearing a hijab are not doing it based on some empower empowerment they felt at an Ivy League institution, um, which was to take the male gaze off them at their own discretion. They're forced to do it. The consequences of not doing it, as in this case we are discussing right now, um, in many cases are, if not absolutely coercive, social pressures, actual physical violence. Um, and that sort of encapsulates, um, I think, a very logical and rational view of the whole situation. Um, but also, I think, you know, it's not difficult to see how many articles have been written um, in the Western media by elements of that of the uh, modern, modern mainstream press trying to rehabilitate the idea of um, the hijab and all that kind of thing and what it represents and try and say that it is positions women in a place of empowerment. There's also one thing you should realize, and that is that there is not one single democratically elected 
um, Islamic party in the world. I think that is an important uh, contextual, um, it's an important contextual thing to realize. Um, and if you're one of those people, you know, like I said, who hate the West but live within it, um, the acknowledgement is there. Um, you must acknowledge the idea that you're free to say it and do exactly that because of the freedoms that are afforded you within it, within the system, um, which you can certainly, which you certainly can see are not afforded other citizens of other countries. Um, but somehow think, you know, such attacks are fair game, such as religious terrorism. Um, and I've had this argument before with people. I would say to them when they say, oh, look, we've been asking for it in the West. I always uh, balk at the idea of a collective we because you're connecting people um, who have no link to um, what people did in another country three, four, five generations a way to say there's a collective West, a collective we, collective guilt on any level, I just think is a sort of intellectual cul-de-sac. It doesn't really make any sense. And it's just a spuriously cheap way to try and win an argument. But if this is true, then I would ask were the IRA attacks in the 1980s, for example, on the mainland in the UK, bombing and killing uh, sometimes children, were they justified? Was it okay to bomb a shopping centre and kill kids? You know, um, and if you say yes, then... Um, because I don't, I fail to see how these two things are, don't have very similar contexts. Um, and that you can say that one is okay because we sort of deserve it. And the other one less so because you're on, um, the difficult ground of misunderstanding Irish history, talking to an Irishman, etc. It's complicated, right? Anyway, um, I would recommend a book called All the Shah's Men which puts an awful lot of some of the things happening in the Middle East into a very interesting historical context. Because, um, you know, in 1952, the CIA um, had an organized coup. I think it's their very first, maybe I think Guatemala or something was after that, but an organized coup um, to depose the um, democratically elected leader Mossadegh, um, which plunged Iran into a, a lot of chaos which then, I suppose, culminates in the return of the Ayatollah in 1979 um, uh, and the kind of state of play where we're in now, um, religiously. But there was a time when, um, you know, Iran heralded uh, democratically elected leaders. Anyway, what am I talking about? Trying to wade my through, way through some murky waters, my friends. But I've said it before that the idea of inherited guilt is an, an intellectual non-starter. The idea that we are connected to the actions of people who died before we were even born and must therefore answer for them, I think is indeed wicked. And the reason I say wicked is because it implies original sin. Um, and, you know, this is really a fascinating and pretty, as I said, wicked concept that I think... Uh, we just can't apply to these um, circumstances. I'm not trying to paint with broad strokes or create a binary argument or choice, but what I want to get at is how an authoritarian regime are right now cracking down on its own. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Citizens and killing them because a young woman was brutally murdered for not conforming to religious standards. And many people feel too compromised to give her and the people fighting a voice. There is not one, as I said, democratically elected Islamic government in the world, not one. So when you hear someone busy shitting on Western democracy, consider that and how people seemed to play fast and loose with its concept during lockdown um, ah, does it really matter? And now play very fast and loose with freedom of speech or like it kind of doesn't matter. Like I said at the start of the podcast, the Iranian state shut down the Internet, shut down people's ability to communicate to each other and the outside world. Um, and so let's try and place some context. What I'm going to do is read out a couple of messages from people who've been um, talking to me about the situation there. So first, I'm going to read out a couple of um, Islamic Republic of Iran laws for women. Um, and, you know, some of, may, some of you may find these uncomfortable listening. But the legal age of marriage for girls is 13, raised from 9 in 2002. Uh, a woman could only get a divorce in court with the judge's order, while a man can get divorced by declaring it verbally. All females are required to cover their hair and dress modestly from the age of puberty. A divorced woman forfeits forfeits child custody if she marries, even if her husband died. Women face restrictions on travel abroad. A woman requires a husband's permission to obtain a passport or travel outside the country. Women can't automatically transfer citizenship to children or spouses. Um, and so I put these, um, I put these statements to a f some friends of mine from Iran, and I'm just going to read the posts that come back. Um, from uh, the men and women that I've been speaking to in Iran. Yes, and the legal age of marriage for boys is 15. Um, it's very hard to divorce in Iran for both gender, men and women. Because of many reasons, I can tell you if you want. Um, people must specify in the marriage contract about children. Uh, women have no rights to child custody. Um, uh, a woman needs a man's right to travel, um, permission to travel. Um Men have problems as well, in the sense they cannot rent a house easily. Um, they must go to the army for 21 months. Um, and if they don't, they can have, um, they cannot have jobs, uh, driver's license, bank account, and so on. 
Um, before the Islamic Revolution, men and women could wear anything they wanted. I mean, you can go back and see photos of this. It's quite easy to find. Um, and people had freedoms of speech. And most of the liberties today we understand as integral to our human rights. As it's a sort of common misconception in the West that these countries were always like that. But the Islamic Revolution, most of these countries, this is a phenomenon over the last 30, 40 years. It's a common misconception that things were always like this because, well, they weren't. Single men and women can check into a hotel, but for example, if you want to go to the hotel with your girlfriend or boyfriend, you cannot, etc. Um, and, uh, you know, the messages keep coming into me. Um, uh, also, LGBTQ rights are illegal in this country. If they find out anything about it, men and women go to jail and the police can and do execute them. Um, Muslim women cannot marry non-Muslims. And if your husband is Christian, he has to change his religion, etc., etc. Um, now, if someone changes his or her religion in Iran, the government can execute you, which is, of course, called apostasy. These are the, like, these are messages, basically, I'm getting from people. Uh, some insane videos, some crazy videos. Uh, one which is really strange is that um, the government and the police are using children to beat protesters. There are some very, very strange images of children um, with uh, weapons and battens out in the streets um, performing some of these actions. And this is before we even, of course, discuss the fact that um, every social media is blocked. Some really, really strange things. There's no right for women to sing in Iran. Women's voice is literally forbidden when it's going to be used in music. Um, a woman's right as witness in court is counted as half of a man. Um, there's a thing called daya, which is the equivalent of the penalty to pay if someone kills someone else, whether intentional or unintentional, and it's paid to the family of the victim. The amount of daya for women is counted as half of men. I suppose the point I'm trying to make really is that is that this is a genuinely authoritarian regime and these are genuinely structural systems of patriarchy and that are very easy to observe and identify that are just riven throughout this society. So I suppose I should um, explain my connection to Iran goes back, um, I guess, six or seven or eight or nine years, um, maybe, maybe 10 years, I guess. I used to have a kind of secret chat forum with a bunch of Iranian fans of Primordial. Um, it must be eight or nine, ten years ago, maybe. Mostly women, but not only. Maybe a dozen or so active people. I sent them files of music as albums were not available there. And we chatted, um, shared all sorts of things. They discussed with me um, how society was there. And I wrote an article about this a long time ago in Zero Tolerance that sort of stirred up a bit of a hornet's nest with some people. Um, and... It's more or less a mirror image of the situation that's happening right now. Um, but one thing began to come up again and again from the women I spoke to in Iran. Um, and in light of events over the last few years, uh, what the Iranian women told me over and over again was that Western women were simply not listening. And um, hearing what was stories of genuine patriarchal oppression and system systemic violence, um, what were Western feminists doing siding with Islam? And I saw it again and again, whether it was, you know, at the end of the Women's March, you see, um, you know, anarcho-left women chanting Allahu Akbar, which, of course, would have you mess put to death in some places. But it was, um, I think what it was is an unwillingness to confront it for fear, I guess, of being called racist or Islamophobic. But also there was an element of my enemy's enemy is my friend. 
um, like I said, um, in that if the West was the enemy fundamentally of, um, you know, religious fundamentalism, then there were elements of Western um, liberal feminism or leftist feminism that sided with that because they were looking for the destruction essentially of the same thing, if that makes uh, sense to you. But um, there was one thing that really, really changed my um, opinion our, about all of this and made things, um, place things in a very difficult and different context for me. And that was um, a video arrived in my inbox, which would change my view of things kind of forever that you can never unsee. A woman in the group um, shared with me a video of a stoning, a father and his sons stoning their own daughter to death somewhere in northern Iran, buried up to her head and stoned. Um, and a seven or eight-year-old boy uh, joining in. You can never unsee this video. And this woman risked a lot to send it to me. It was filmed in secret by another woman who had sent it to her. And even more, as I said, was risked by the woman who secretly filmed it. Um, and it will, you will never unsee this. Um, I would argue about some of what I've just been discussing with friends, some on the left, some on the right, some who have no interest in politics at all. Um, and no one really wanted to see this video, as you can imagine. And no one could really watch it. The simple fact was, uh, for many people, for many people I discussed this with in the West, was that the uncomfortable truth was that um, people who they considered they opposed politically, whether if you, if you were from the far left um, or you were from the left, then you had this reaction that, well, it's the right who are discussing Islam, for example, and therefore I cannot agree with any principles of the people I'm supposed to oppose on a binary level. And because that's the polarization that exists in Western society, that means you can never find common ground, even of a cause um, which is so just as what I'm discussing, which is, you know, women's rights in Iran and their um, freedom to express themselves and their freedom of speech and all those kind of thing. And that so many people were willing to throw um, all of that under the bus because they simply didn't, they couldn't concede that there was a discussion there. They couldn't agree with the people they'd been told that they had to oppose. And I think that part of that is, it's it's just conditioning by social media. So the women of Iran could basically go without their support. Again, a sort of narcissistic selfishness of the Western binary uh, culture wars um, threw them under the bus, so to speak, judging everything on how it reflected on them. And from the other side as well, from um, right-wing people who are using it or would use something like that as propaganda, unwilling to acknowledge the intricacies of um, the complexities, the historical complexities of the region. But everything was being judged on how it reflected on the person viewing it or the person in that discussion. And how could they bear to share common ground with someone they thought was evil incarnate? Again, this binary choice we've created for ourselves in the West. Um, and so this woman um, in this grim and terrible situation was an uncomfortable truth that nobody really wanted to agree on from either side that this is a terrible situation. They were too busy um, shouting at the people that was, felt they were supposed to be opposed to. And what I often got from people was, yeah, but the Catholic Church did worse. Um, I would get a kind of last resort argument that makes no intellectual sense. Uh, yeah, they surely did, but there isn't anyone in 2014 or at the time of this video uh, burying women up to their heads and stoning them. Now, of course, 
Um, the Catholic Church has done many, many evil things in its time. Believe me, being from Ireland doesn't take much to pull back the drapes of Irish society and and very um, and very near history and get a deep, dark view into the abyss. And Irish people often hid from it, refused to acknowledge it. So this straw, it's a kind of a straw man argument, if you ask me. Um, was, well, it's kind of was stating, well, we did bad things, the collective we, again, like I said, which I disagree with, um, but which I already said, have no connection to the actions of rural Catholic priests from 1922. Um, and the insinuation was, well, you shouldn't mention this because we did bad things as well. How about mentioning all of the bad things? How about bringing them all out, dragging them all out into the daylight and discussing them? and mulling over these uncomfortable truths um, as if two awful things means that we shouldn't find common ground to be able to discuss them. The point was these brave Iranian women were trying to somehow speak through me, exasperated at the people they thought should have their backs. Um, but, you know, they were too busy worrying about their own personal reputations or how it would reflect on them. And now these same brave Iranian women are out on the streets risking their lives once again and it feels like variations of the same people are quiet in the West. And the fact is, I think that um, too many people are stunned into silence as they feel complicit and guilty for things the West, and I used again, parenthesis, did, which they have no connection to. So what you have to... So it feels like some people demand that you have a blank moral compass alone to be able to commentate on anything. Um, so what does this in reality mean? That the West can only criticize the West and no one else, etc. Because, you know, all the bad things we have done, regardless of who actually needs our support or um, your individual support. I mean, I just got a message there. My phone just pinged. And my friend in Iran says, um, the Iranian state has been shipping in Hezbollah muscle onto the streets to deal with things. And where are they from? Yeah, where are Hezbollah from? Uh, complicates things even further, doesn't it? And there are so many dark, uncomfortable truths in, in, the, in the discussion about what's happening. Um, like I said, very easy to get mired in what people assume are your ulterior motives. The, the motive behind this rather rambling podcast, and one which is sort of riven through with a certain emotional state for me, um, because you want to do it justice to all of the information coming in and all the messages I'm getting from people, but yet at the same time, the, um, the, the context, the, uh, the circumstance, the subject matter is so vast and complicated, um, it can almost be kind of overwhelming. But the reality is that a young woman died, was beaten to death um, by the religious police um, for failing to adhere to um, their modesty rules and the people are uprising on the streets and the internet is blocked and means of communication are blocked and then you think of you've probably come across those articles um, all mostly in American um, you know online periodicals and um, talking about you know reframing um, reframing the hijab for example as you know a symbol of female empowerment and this and that and the other and then you see the grim truth and you look at some of these videos coming through um, from some of my friends. And it just, it places our hypocrisy in the West on such a broad and easily viewable level. But the reason for that is really because we've become so caught up in our 
um, in the binary choice involved in the culture war and so afraid of appearing to be racist, for example, that these conversations are just uncomfortable and un unable to be had by so many people. But I return back to the, I suppose, and um, one of the things I said off the top of the podcast, and that was these two middle-aged um, sort of Middle Englanders um, wondering aloud, oh, why do you want freedom of speech anyway? And all you're going to do is say something racist, etc., etc. Um, and like I said, I just was listening to it and thought to myself, I'm not one of those people that turns off a podcast because somebody on it says something that I disagree with. I just thought, wow, this is such an indulged Western point of view. And I don't think these um, two men really realize what it is that they're saying. And then my phone pings and I get some more messages from people inside Iran um, sending me um, what's happening on the streets right there, right then, at that very moment. Um, and it's purely about the same conversation. And it just starkly put in, it put into some stark contrast the um, sort of indulged, short-sighted nature of so many people um, who take all of these things for granted. They take the freedoms that people are on the streets of um, Iran now dying for, for granted. They think they're just something that can be Ah, easily traded and bought and sold. And oh, well, you know, I'll trade my uh, freedom for safety or whatever you want to call it. Um, and I think that the slow process of the erosion of um, civil liberties or freedom of speech or what democracy or whatever you want to call it, it's not like something collapses immediately. They're, um, they're the death of a thousand cuts and the movement is gradual to take them from the people, to take them from you. And in many states, in many nations, in many places around the world, there are people out on the streets actually fighting for the things that a, you know, that a wealthy, apathetic, tired, indulged, fat and opulent Western society takes for granted. Um, and that is really, I suppose, the sort of backstory to this, um, this episode of the podcast. Um, the real story is that um, a woman was beaten to death and and her name was Masha Amini and in my own small um, ridiculous way I suppose a tiny drop in the ocean I thought I would try and shine a little bit of a light on um, what's been happening on the streets of Iran right now um, you may think it foolish some of you may think of it as noble but the tenets of Agitators Anonymous are as I've laid out and that, my friends, is episode 127 of Agitators Anonymous. Over and out. I will return back to Tuesday's goofy heavy metal, whatever you want to call it, next Tuesday. And we'll see where all of this takes us next week. But I will keep um, some updates of what's been happening for my friends in Iran um, for future episodes of the podcast um, and let you all know those things hang in there because freedom and liberty are not dirty words and you should not take them for granted my friends over and out hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.